now we're officially rolling. All right. We'll see if my mic stand Check one, holds two. out. Yeah. Oh, that thing just it just snapped. Just fell off, yeah. That's right. Eric Hernandez. Bit now sports. we're rolling. All right. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, well, I was telling you before we started rolling how excited I've been about this because you're one of these guys. So I came across – I first – you know, we first crossed, path, cro- crossed paths – when our kids were playing t-ball together, yeah, um, you know, we didn't really connect a bunch, but then I think we we really officially met at the rodeo, yeah. But since then, I've been, you know, we've we've become fast friends, and we have a whole lot in common, and you know, obviously get to stay in touch with you on social media and all of that good stuff. Absolutely. And there's so many things about you that I think are remarkable. Um, to set the stage for everybody listening, you are. A commercial pilot who just got a new job today, which we'll be able to dive into. Absolutely. Um, a father, a hunter. You shared with me at one point an anecdote about your Instagram handle, which is Body by Atlas. Yep. Um, and sort of this, I don't know, mentality behind like proving people wrong and getting out of shape in the in the airline industry. Yeah. To start our conversation. Um, one of the things that I thought was really unique about you, it was, a, it was a few months ago, and I think you were doing 75 hard. Yeah. And I was just paying attention to, you know, you keeping up with that through social we media. We yeah. didn't finish it. We attempted it. But, the, but the, the, what was crazy is I think you were, you were in some, like, Middle Eastern country. You were somewhere on the other side of the world just yeah. doing your job, and you were still sticking with, you know, 75 hard and things like that. And I just thought it was so powerful to see the consistency because so many people, I think, you know, we let work be the reason why we don't do certain things. And in your world, when you're doing these long haul flights and, you know, traveling all over the world and things like that, nobody would blame you ever if you're like, no, I... I just flew for 15 hours. I'm, you know, I'm going to stick gonna go it out. I'm going to go drink beers and not work out. You know, it's like, <laughs> and that's the common theme in the airline industry. It's like, you know, to touch on the body by Atlas thing was like, you know, when I first got with my the airline I fly for is Atlas Air right now. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're going to, you know, in the, your first year, you're going to get the body by Atlas. You're going to gain 15 to 20 pounds as you're flying around the world. And it's 747. And I was like, you know, 26 at the time. And I was like, 15, 20 pounds. I'm like, if it's muscle, great. Count me in, you know? Like, yeah. But they were talking like, you're going to sleep when you're tired. You're going to eat when you're hungry. And when you're constantly changing time zones, you know, it's like, it, it's easy to fall into that trap. And I've definitely fallen into that trap. Don't get me wrong. I'm by all means, I'm no perfect human being. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, if you can get your blood flowing after getting off of a plane for, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours, you know, halfway around the globe, I, my outlook is just a million times. I sleep better. I feel better. Everything's better. And that's where that's what I'm so excited to to pick your brain about because it was it's been clear that there's intentionality behind you know these things that that you do. And I think specific, especially you know, it translates from your physical fitness yeah. endeavors. But even the fact that you made your Instagram body by Atlas is kind of like a you know a, a a birdie to, you know, everybody who says that you're going to get the body by Atlas, but I would love to hear from you. And, and I think, and it's, it's especially why I've been super excited to, to pick your brain because of the combination of two things, the commitment to physical fitness and fatherhood and all the other things, yeah, of course. while also this crazy job, 
that you've been, you know, and, and we'll dive into the new job, which I can't wait to hear about. But yeah, the current job, you know, you're gone weeks at a time, traveling all over the world, which is is really cool, but would be so easy, you know, to slip into unhealthy habits, which there's a gamut of, you know, that, that I could totally see happening. Why? What What has made you say, you know, I don't care if I'm at a hotel in Timbuktu or wherever yeah. in the whole world, and I'm going to get on the stair stepper, I'm going to, you know, make the most of what I've got. I mean, I've even seen you running outside in other countries, and it's just crazy. Negative 10 degree weather in Anchorage. Well, this is actually before you followed me when I was, before I had knee surgery, and I was, I was training to be an ultra marathoner. I mean, dude, I, I carry my snow tracks, my vests, my tights, my gloves, my hats, and I would go, I'd pull into Anchorage after a 12-hour flight, and, you know, the, they have this sick trail in downtown Anchorage that just runs along the water called the Coastal Trail, and it would be like 10 degrees, maybe like, you're going to go for a run? Like, yeah, I'd be walking down in the lobby of the hotel in my tights and all my gear on, and guys are like, you know, meanwhile, guys are going to the bars, and I'm like, oh, what do you mean? It's 5 p.m. I know it's dark outside, but it's like... I'm going for a run and it's like negative 10 degrees outside. And I might, I might only hammer out, you know, three to five miles. Cause by that time my knees are numb and my toes are <laughs> yeah, numb. And I'm yeah. like, I need to get back before I get hypothermia out here stuck on this trail getting kicked by moose. So, but um, you did it, but yeah. you do it. And where does, where does that come from? Like, is that, tell me, paint me the picture of, you know, where did this discipline start from you? Is this something that you got from your parents? Is it something that you've learned from, you know, is it self-instilled? Like, where in the world does somebody have the, yeah. you know, the commitment to go do a below-zero run in Anchorage, Alaska? I have phenomenal parents, and I'm very blessed in this world to have a mother and a father and raised in the same home. And my dad has always worked hard. I've seen my dad train for marathons. I've seen my dad perfect his golf game. You know, my dad was always there playing football and cheering me on. And I think it starts at a young age playing competitive sports. I mean, I was always undersized. I was always small. I, I was extremely fast, but I was just the smallest guy in the field all the time, whether it was soccer, football, track, didn't matter. And, and I think a lot of that that drive and motivation just comes from, like, over the years, like, always being doubted. Like, you know, you're not going to be good enough. You're too small, you know? And it was like, okay, you know, oh, you know you're not fast enough to run in college. And I ran at a D1 school. And, you know, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. And then it was like, oh, he's going to be a pilot. You know, he, he's going to get divorced from his wife. Like, pilots cheat on their wives. And it was like, no, not at all. It's like it's just the constant drive to just prove people wrong and just simply get 1% better every single day. Yeah. You know, and, you know, of course, there's days where I don't do anything. There's days where I do way too much. And it's like just – just out of the realm of people they're like it, like you said you know it's like oh you get off a plane for 15 hours and you're out there like crushing a workout in the gym at you know 2 a.m in korea um it, it's just it, it, it's almost like a drug you know it's like i'm addicted to fitness i'm addicted, and even my wife says like oh you're so addicted to your body image and i'm like yeah because it's just i just love being able to watch my body transform whether i'm on a bender and i'm getting out of shape and then it's like okay, let's get back in shape for 30 days and let's see how shredded I can get. And it's like, just to be like, everybody can do it. You know, I, I am, no, I'm just an average human being. You know, I, I work a job, I have a family, you know, I have hobbies. I don't just like sit at home and eat potato chips and watch movies all the time. Right. Right? So it's like being able to juggle all those things to me, it's just, it's just normal life for me. And that's, I think, I, I think one of the most unique things about physical fitness in particular is that it can't be bought. 
Like, it is the only thing that I know of, at least, Yep. that there are no shortcuts to. You can't cheat your way to it. There is no, like, somebody has, if somebody's physically fit, you know that there is a great amount of discipline and consistency and uh, delayed gratification, you know, all these other characteristics that go with it, which is, I think, why, you know, when it relates to physical fitness, it's usually a reflection of larger, larger characteristics. You know what I mean? Like larger, larger uh, perspectives on life and larger intentions and larger, larger priorities. Yeah. Which is, I think, because one of the things I was going to mention too, that I'm interested to kind of see how all this ties together with you. Because I think one of the coolest parts about you has been the magnitude of success that you've experienced at such a young age. Yeah. You know, you're, I don't even know how old you are. I'll be 31 in January. So, you know, so you're 30. Yeah. So in your 20s, though, you have, you know, built the career through piloting, which I want to hear about that. But you also have two really well-behaved kids. Um, in fact, quick. That's such a compliment because they were just terrorists in the restaurant we had dinner at. <laughs> well, sounds like kids. Exactly, right? Quick story on that, by the way, though. Uh, we, ran, we ran the Thirsty 13, um, and Molly ran it, your wife. Yeah. And uh, at the finish line, your kids were there, and they had this, like, I don't know. It was uh, like a sprinkler hose thing like, yeah. set up for people to cool off okay. on or, you know, whatever. And Nathan saw it and was like, oh, I'll go go play in the sprinkler, but of course, you know, wanted me to go and, and whatever it might be. And your son was there. And uh, I was so, I think I messaged you after because I kind of put my hand down to like, you know, give him a high five type yeah. of thing. And he thought I was kind of, you know, giving him a hug. And so he gave me a hug and, you know, remembered me. And I thought it was cool because, and that's why I messaged you because he had this confidence too, yeah. to, you know, and he, he knew me at that point from like, another t-ball dad yeah exactly there wasn't you know we hadn't had had the dinners and hung out and stuff yet yeah and I thought it was really cool because they were they are great kids and he was polite and you know came and said hi to me in a very public setting and Molly wasn't even there he was kind of like being independent and stuff too which was he's extremely independent it was really cool but you you know to and then you know you've got this beautiful home on acreage that it, it just, you, you know, you've got all these accomplishments at such a young, young age. Do you feel like the, cause you mentioned earlier kind of this, like, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but there was sort of this idea of like proving people wrong. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, almost moving with a, a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. As it relates to physical fitness specifically, but does is that kind of been con- a contributing factor to these other successes too? Like, what's what's been the you yeah, know I what's mean, the motivation be, behind my all dad's that? successful? Um, you know, he came from nothing, was on his own at 16 years old, went to call, left home, didn't go back, went to college, you know, got his master's degree, and now he's an executive for IBM, and. And so I, I had really good mentors in life. And my dad's best friend who grew up, my dad grew up in Telluride, and his best friend, um, Uncle Demian Brooks, he's an airline pilot for Delta. And so, 
you know, being a millennial in my generation and seeing people just like work restaurant jobs and work these odds and ends jobs and, you know, get business communication degrees or, you know, liberal arts degrees and just blow their whole lives away. It's like, I just like, I, I hate to like shit on my own generation, you know, but it's like, I, it drives me crazy that there are so many opportunities out there in the world and people are like, Oh, you know, the economy's crashing and I don't have money for groceries. And I'm like, there are 10 ways you could look up on Google tomorrow and go make a hundred dollars. It like in seconds, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's dumbfounding how easy it is to make money. There are people out there willing to just give money away and people don't understand that. And that's like part of the motivation. It was just like, I, I gave up. I went to college online. I draw, I, I withdrew from college, went to pilot school at 20 years old. You were 20 when you started pilot yeah, school? Yeah, I was 21. And, and yeah, I was young, you know, and I would bang it out in a year instructed for six months and then I went to a company in Arizona and I did Grand Canyon tours and Lake Powell and it was like the greatest job in the world and then that's when Molly and I got pregnant I was a I was a hundred hours away from going to the restarting my career I basically set my career back almost a year um and at this point so when you're a hundred a hundred hours from 1500 and that's there's What's the, the airline minimum? That? So, okay. so it, like after I think it was after nine eleven or something, they passed a rule that said you have to have fifteen hundred hours of flight time to fly for a one twenty one carrier, and that to you is gibberish. At the end of the day, it's just the type of regulations that all airline pilots that you can imagine. That's the regulations that we operate under is one twenty one pilots, and. So I, I flew skydiver. We moved to Wisconsin. I flew skydivers, finished my hours. Molly was like, I don't want to live here. Let's move back to Arizona. And I was like, say less. Let's go back to Arizona. That's where I'm from, you know? Like, sounds good. And so we moved back, and I went to SkyWest Airlines, flew passengers for two years, and then I got on with Atlas at – I was technically 25 when I got on, and then I've been, you know, flying in December. You know, I'll be – I turned 26 in January, and – I've been flying 747s for five years just around the world. and What initially, you know, because you talk about that, like, I don't know, breaking the, you know, the, the millennial kind of stigma of, like, yeah. being willing to, you know, grind and, and put the work in and stuff like that. What initially was the driving factor to, because, again, speaking of how early all this has happened for you, but to be yeah. at 20 and, you know, pursue your, your pilot license – were you pursuing that because you thought it'd be fun? Did you know that it'd be lucrative? Do you, you know what what was the you know when when you decided I'm going to be a, a pilot? What was the the main reason why? Uh, all the above. I grew up around my uncle coming to Telluride and going to Bluegrass Festival and skiing Telluride and then skiing Park City with my uncle and going on Alaskan fishing trips and growing up around my uncle who like you know not to like you know put it lightly but like as a 16 year old kid 10 year old kid 20 year old kid all you see is these guys that have smoking hot girlfriends and they have nice vehicles and nice vacations and they're like do you even have a job like do you even work like like oh yeah i went to work for like three days and i got the rest of the month off and i was like you know 20 year old kid is like yeah, that sounds I good. That. I yeah. might as well just like go try to be a pilot, you know, like, you know, I fly with plenty of nerds that are like, I, when I was two years old, I saw a plane in the sky and it was like, I'm going to be a pilot. I'm like, no, that's not me. Like fitness was always my passion. Like the second that I started lifting in high school and then got into college and, and I ended up quitting track and field. And one of my best friends was a bodybuilder in college. Um, and, and I kind of credit a lot to him too. It's just like, 
like fitness was my passion, but it's hard to make money in the fitness industry, right? I mean, the physical, you know, physical trainers, you know, or personal trainers, sorry, is like, it's a hard industry to like get your foot in the door. And so, and I needed a more stable career. And when my dad and my uncle sat me down, they said, listen, like your business marketing degree is not going to do it. You need to be a, a doctor. You need to be an engineer. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be a doctor because I'm not good at science, but I can be an engineer because, well, I'm already done with math and I'm a freshman in college. Like that's, you know, easy numbers come easy. And then like a month later, my uncle was like, why don't you like try to go join the military and be a pilot? So I tried to join the military, failed my color vision test. He was like, no worries, just go the civilian route. And I just went the civilian route and just dove headfirst, blindly, didn't even know what a rudder on a plane was, didn't know any aerodynamics. I knew absolutely nothing about airplanes, not a single plane part other than the wheels. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I knew nothing and just dove heads first and just dedicated my entire career because now at 30 years old, I'm set. Yeah. And it's like I knew that the payoff for seven to 10 years was going to be brutal. It was I'm going to make no money. I'm going to work a ton of hours. I'm going to have the worst work rules possible and never be home. And in the middle of all that, I so happen to start a family and get married. Right. And now it's like just got a job with American Airlines. And I'm like, okay, we're going to move back to Phoenix and I'm just going to be home you know, 20 days a month and work as little as possible and play golf as much as I can. <laughs> which it's, uh, which congratulations, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thanks. It, uh, it's interesting to hear you say that because there's some parallels there with physical fitness too. Yeah. You know, like being willing to put in the work, sacrifice for seven years, like knowing that there's a bigger return on the horizon, but having the, the resiliency to just do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, that to me sounds a whole lot like working out too, you know, of like diving in and, and putting in the reps so that, that the results come That's it. way, way, way later. Yeah. How have you, you know, cause we talked about this, this very demanding career yeah. with crazy hours, crazy traveling. And, you know, it's great to hear that there's light at the end of that tunnel for of you, course. but you know, you've got that, you started a family during the same time the physical fitness has remained a, a priority. Yeah. How have you prioritized and balanced, you know, these three very significant hats that you have to wear amongst the others too, you know, there's yeah. all the other normal things, you know, you got to still mow the lawn and, you know, <laughs> exactly. all the, all the normal <laughs> stuff, but how have you, how do the priorities change and how have you found out how to balance those three huge, huge things? It, it all started when I had kids. You know, it was like being able to play with my kids at an older age starts when you're younger. And, you know, you can't be 45 years old. Well, I mean, my kids are going to be 18 when I'm 42 or 43. So it's like when I'm 35, I can't be out of shape and my son's playing high school football or high school soccer, whatever he decides, you know, baseball, whatever. Like, I want to be able to go out there and be able to throw the ball for him, run with him and chase him and his friends and get, get them all together and, and play together. So a lot of that all stems from just like, being able to one provide for my family i'm a very old school traditional man in this world which is highly uncommon you know people like you and i are like a, a diamond in the rough nowadays yeah you know it's like so being able to just like kind of do all that it's, it's almost like in my dna you know it's like i was i was raised this way my dad provided my dad was in shape my mentors in life like everything that i have done in my life 
I give back to everybody because I have had the greatest mentors. I have the most phenomenal wife in the entire world. She stays in phenomenal shape. She supports me through my career. You know, she's so excited for me to finally be home more. Like, in, if I wouldn't have taken the American job and stayed at Atlas and upgraded to captain, she was like, I'm so proud of you for doing that too. Yeah. I mean, there was no, no doubt in her mind that she would have been like, no, definitely, you need to go to American. It was like, honey, you just do whatever you think is right. And I just I sat her down. I was like, you know, like, what's best for the family? Like, well, what do you really want me to do? Because I'm going to take a pay cut for the first year, and then, like, it's going to be exponentially higher for the rest of my life, yeah. you know, for the, at least the next 10 years. Another example of delayed gratification, by the way. Yeah. Which is crazy because there's Small these— Small sacrifice, big reward. There, and there's these themes of that I'm, I'm picking up already, you yeah. know, in your life and this story of, like, it's almost like you have this ability to— I think so many times people are unwilling to be uncomfortable in the here and now. That's it. Whether it's the pain of a lift, the pain of a run, the pain of a pay cut, the pain yep. of, you know, school and, and, you know, getting your pilot license or whatever. And I think that's really powerful that it seems like there's a, a recurring theme where you've been willing to be uncomfortable knowing that there's a larger return Yep. You know, you have to be horizon. willing to be uncomfortable, or you have to be willing to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Mm. In my entire life, I just basically th that's the motto, right? I mean, it, like my shirt says it all, must be nice. You know, I can't tell you how many times people, you know, growing up, it was like, oh, must be nice. And it's like, yeah, it must be nice. I worked my ass off to get to where I'm at. And, you know, now I own a ranch and, you know, I might sell the ranch and go move back to Phoenix and buy a nice house. But it's like, it, you, anybody can do this. It, it, literally, anybody can do this. You can find any career. You can find any job. And as long as you're willing to put the hard work and have the dedication to just strive for greatness, it, anybody can do anything. Yeah. This world is limitless. Where does that come from? Because you've talked about your, you know, your dad having been and these good role models and yeah. things like that. But it's almost like, like when you say that even to me, it almost comes across as like. Uh, casual like factual like yeah anybody you have this belief that the sky literally is the limit and that you can accomplish anything were there is that something because it, it sounds like you've had a great role model system and you know yeah. these, these great people to look up to but were there moments in your life that like reaffirmed that you know where, where I don't know you you've had the goal that felt bigger than it should have been or you know, the, like, yeah. was there some, if you look back in hindsight, yeah. is there some little wins that helped you get there? Was there some losses? That, anything that comes to mind for, like, how that perspective came about? Honestly, no. I mean, it, maybe it's, like, the Joe Rogans and the Cam Haynes of the world and the Jocko Willings. Like, I mean, you know, through college and social media, you know, my dad is always like, you need to get off that social media. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, you just, you fall trapped to that. And I'm like... No, it's like, it's just listening to those guys and see other people, you know, Cam Haynes, for example, you know, came from nothing, was a bow hunter, you know, shooting stick and arrows, basically, to being sponsored by Hoyt and Under Armour and run Speedland now and, you know, Origin Camo and just, just all those guys that have like, just came from nothing and made themselves I don't, I don't want to say, like, I find motivation. Like, I don't look up to them because I'm like, you know, great. They're great guys. I like what they have to say. But at the end of the day, everybody's their own person. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think it's, like, 
like I, I can't I truly can't just like say like there was one event in my life that made me this way I just like always had this mentality of like I want to be better than everybody I mean like I want to be cocky I want to be confident I want to be able to show up and walk into a room and have it be like that's the guy right there yeah like I, I can tell by the way that that guy walks that he means business. Right. It, it, but it's really like, it's just nothing. Like I, I can be the most humble guy in the world or I can, you know, just be an ordinary dude all the time. You know, it's just, I don't know. There, there's no exact one moment that I can like stem back to, to be like, this is what shaped my mindset. Like, and, and, you know, you mentioned those uh, Cam Haynes and, you know, the Joe Rogans yeah. and, and that of the world. What's interesting, I think, about examples like that is, you know, especially in the, the case of Cam Haynes, you look back and he's been doing what he's been doing forever. Like that's who years. he is. Yeah, you know, and so it's cool to see the compounding results from that, you know, for him. Yeah. And, and I, I get similar inspiration, you know, motivation from, from people like that. And coming yeah, back course. to the the social media side of things, I've been saying forever that we don't need to use social media less. We need to use social media more intentionally. Yeah. And totally even agree. algorithmically, you know, you start being intentional about the content that you're consuming yeah. and you'll get more of it and it kind of feeds in and, you know, and, and people can go so many different paths there if they're not careful. Yeah. You know, you start consuming some of the negative stuff and you get bombarded with it. Absolutely. Start consuming the positive stuff, and you get bombarded with it. It's and then you get a little momentum. Isn't it crazy? But that's where it's cool because you know you mentioned that like anybody can, you know anybody can can be the best version of themselves that they you know that they want to be or or need to be. Yeah. And it doesn't even it you know for us it happens to be physical fitness and fatherhood and things like that. But of course, everybody has their version of their why. That yeah. And I loved hearing, I love hearing that perspective from you of like finding the motivation or the inspiration or whatever you want to call it by intentionally choosing the type of content that you're consuming yeah. to, to kind of like keep you, you know, I don't know, keep you fueled, it sounds like. Yeah, it's just, I mean, th there's so much hatred, there's so much drama, there's so much politics and everything. And, you know, I've fallen prey to posting political things online and, and cotton backlash on it, you know, and it's just like, if you can, it's amazing, you know, you can like three videos about loving your spouse and all of a sudden there's a bunch of loving spouse things on your Instagram <laughs> or, you know, here's three videos about running and I'm going to get motivated to start running. And it's like, oh, here's 10 videos of running, you know, same thing with fitness. It's like, it, it's just amazing. And I, and I love that quote that you just said that I, I don't think we should be using social media less. We should be using it more intentionally Yeah. because, and they've admitted it, right? I mean, you know, they've admitted that the algorithms are there to put people down these rabbit holes. And that's a major reason of depression and suicide rates in young teens. I mean, you, you look at Instagram models, right? They're famous because they're hot. And these, you know, girls in in middle school, elementary school, that are getting cell phones. Now, like, what, how old were you when you got a cell phone? Oh, geez. I bet I was in high school. 
Yeah, I was in seventh grade. I was 13. I got a flip phone. Yeah, I was like, probably 15, 14, 15. Yeah, I got a flip phone that, like, you know, we, <laughs> you couldn't send pictures. You had to, like, you know, type 17 times and type out one word <laughs> just because it had, you know, two S's in it. And you, you were know? charged by the text. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ten cents a text. Like, oh, yeah. well, your text <laughs> limit's up. Yeah. Like, oh, well, darn, here you go. I'm five days into the month. You know, it's like, you know, I just, I think that, that people are so consumed and, like, like, sucked into comparing themselves to others. And instead of just finding your identity and finding something you're, you truly love and bettering your craft day by day, you know, it's a slow process. Yeah. You know, it's like, like we said, it's all about making the sacrifices. If there's an end goal at the end of the tunnel, you know, you have to be willing to make that sacrifice. Nothing comes easy in life. Nothing's given to you. Everything's earned, right? Um, so there's just... The, I think that too many people just like they get sucked into like the you know like they get sucked into the celebrities and the politics and the Instagram models and you know now it's now it's only fans and it's like can't you just like go out and be yourself you know yeah. you don't you don't have to be so and so just be Ben Sorensen be right. Eric Hernandez you know like make your own your own way in the world yeah you mentioned you know, occasionally slipping down a path of, you know, posting political stuff or, or whatever <laughs> and getting flack for it. I'm curious, have you ever gotten flack for the physical stuff? Like, has that ever been received negatively or is that universally pretty either quiet or, or positive from the, I the mean, physical I, fitness? I, I've probably posted some controversial fitness things, absolutely. I mean, about body image, you know, like I go through periods where I'm just like, you know, I, I get sick of people complaining about how they're fat or how they're out of shape or how they're tired. And I'm like, uh, okay, just, just go for a walk. Just, just start your day or end your day with a 30 minute to an hour walk. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. Just getting your blood moving and working out. It's like, I just, there is absolutely no excuse. And I get it. Not everybody's into fitness. Not everybody's into building muscle or, you know, running a hundred miles. You know, that, that's not, that's not for everybody. But when I start catching flack online about posting body image things, I'm like, okay, so obviously there's a disconnect here because you're mad at me for making fun of you because you're out of shape, but at the same time you're jealous of me because I'm in shape. Right. And it's like it, it's not it's not that hard, honey. Like all you got to do is like maybe not go to McDonald's three times a week and cut it down to once a week. You know, it's like you know go for a walk a couple times a week, like slowly build that process. And when you start seeing people online, like. And even people in your real life, like my uncle, for example, and my brother, you know, my brother was an alcoholic and a drug addict and didn't do anything. And now he's running 100 mile races and he's completely sober and he has a great career. He's, you know, in electrical or not electrical, um, mechanical engineer. And, you know, my uncle who just like he's been sober for like 36 days and he's out here sending me texts every single morning, like got my workout in. I'm like, fuck, he's beating me to the punch. I'm yeah. like, I'm like what, what am I doing here? Like, I need to get up. Like, I'm supposed to be the one that's like, you're going to get your workout in today? Right. And my uncle's texting me every day, like, oh, here's my workout today. Here's what I did today. Is he texting you because you've motivated him? Or yeah, is yeah it, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Isn't that crazy, too, how I'll call it a positive feedback loop yeah. can happen? Like, I'm, I'm seeing it in my life right now. Absolutely. Where I've had a few people give me feedback that yeah. I've inspired them or that I've motivated them, which is the most motivating thing to me ever. It is. Like when somebody tells me I've had that. that I, oh, it's the best thing, you know, in the world. 
And so I love hearing that, you know, your uncle's texting you and saying, you know, getting after it. Cause now you've got, you know, the accountability buddy yeah. too, you get some more fuel and this great kind of like growth momentum can happen. And that, that comes back down to, to, you know, I, I was mentioning about social media. Yeah. I, I have found a community on there. I mean, I, I've, I've connected now with people that I, bet. I, I'm, I consider like actual friends yeah. and never have met in person, but you know, of course message and whatever, and like root for people. And it's been crazy to see how there are like people truly in my corner. Yeah. You know, you're on that list. Like we're, we're always, you know, giving each other kudos and like yeah. good, good, you know, yeah, exactly. reaffirmations and stuff. And it's so, I think that you don't realize how impactful that stuff is until it starts happening yeah. and then you end up like, it's a whole nother level now. And it's like, you, you know, people get to start helping each other out and yeah, exactly. it's just, it's just, it's just cool. It's, it's a snowball effect. Like I've always wanted to, like, like I said, like fitness was always my passion and I would love to just like grow my Instagram account. And the whole body by Alice thing was like, I was going to create workout plans and create an app for people that travel, not just pilots, you know, ideally pilots and flight attendants, but like, Pilots and flight attendants are like a very, very small percentage of business travelers, right? I mean, that's pilots and flight attendants are like 2%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe 1%, you know, and everybody else like business travelers. And how how many of these CEOs and how many of these business execs or, or marketing agents that are going to get clients or sales reps? you know, fly in and, you know, get to a hotel and they're like, you know, and then it's like, oh, we got to go to this dinner and it's dinner and drinks tonight. And it's like, okay, just, I'll, I'll be there in 30 minutes. I got to go to the gym, you know? Yeah. It's just like, that's why I wanted to start is like, I would love to, you know, have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, you know, it's like, it's, it's a very, very slow process until you, you catch that one break or that one reel goes viral. And then it's like, boom. And now the doors are open. Yeah. And it's like, it, the world is yours. You got to just take that opportunity and run with it. Yeah. You should do that. Cause I, so I've, I've got to travel for work. I probably travel twice a quarter, once a quarter, yeah. at least. Um, yeah, you're flying private jets. <laughs> one time. Sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, you know, this huge, no, but, uh, we're, I find that how I, I relate so much to how difficult that is. Cause for me, running is a big priority, yeah. and, you know, and, and I, I prioritize strength training, but the primary focus for me right now is, is running. And uh, there was a time just recently we were in, we stayed in Cherokee, North Carolina. We were working at the, the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. Oh, sweet. And, uh, oh, yeah, I saw that. that was it cool. was a great time. Uh, the hotel we were in has this little, like, you know, uh, you know the Marriott, like, fitness room. But it was like treadmills, a couple of treadmills, and like uh, like five pound weights. Yeah, but it was like hundred degrees in there and humid and just it was miserable in the in the room. So I uh, I had to start running outside, but I didn't really know like you know where I was or or whatever. So I ended up lapping. There's this huge casino across the street from from the hotel. That's where I would have been. And I just yeah, (laughs) and I just lapped it over and over again, you know, to to get in the miles. And it was but it was always really early in the morning or really late at night because that's, of those other commitments of like, you know, the dinner with the client. That's doing and, hard things. Yeah. Finding a way to do things when you don't want to do them. You know, running in extreme temperature. Like you posted a video the other day of running in 14 degrees. And I was like, I was like, I just would love to go and do that. But my knee just won't allow me to do that. And I'm like, I want to just like push through it. The last thing I want is to re-injure a myself. True injury, so I'm yeah. like, 
like, oh no, like, am I stuck on riding a bike for the rest of my life? And it's like, no, like I can run three miles and it's like, I'm running at a 10 minute mile pace. And it's like, to me before, like an eight and a half minute pace was like a 10 mile run. And it was just like, my heart rate doesn't get above 130. It's like, I'm just just cruising. I'm just going for a jog, you know? And now I'm like 10 minute miles. I'm like twiddling my thumbs, like, okay, it's three miles. Like, and then I just like, you got to dig deep and find the motivation. Like I said, I was going to do five miles today. It's going to take me 50 minutes. Okay. Let's see if I can do it in 40. Let's crank it up 0.5 on the treadmill. You right. know? It's like, please don't injure your knee. And then it's like, my knee starts sobbing and I'm like, well, shut it down. I'm not trying to re-injure myself. It's, it's, a, it's, it's hard right now for me. You mentioned, and don't get injured by the way. No. Cause you got plenty of hard things that you can be, that you do do. Yeah, of course. Um, you mentioned that idea of like, you know, doing hard things and, and the benefit from it. And we talked about it early on, because I, I think it relates to this idea of delayed gratification and some of the sacrifices that you've made in your life yeah. of doing the hard things, you know, beyond. One of the things that I've been contemplating lately, and I'm curious your perspective on it, is instilling that in our kids because there's... I think conflicting realities where on one hand, I have this incredible drive to yeah. be successful and make a great life for everybody and, you know, be the provider that we touched on. Yeah. But on the other hand, I see the value of my kids doing difficult things yeah. and like going through adversity and stuff. So I'm curious from your perspective, how do you balance that? Cause you're clearly very driven as yeah. a provider you know, as the, the, the father of, you know, as, as with your kids and things like yeah. that. But you also see the benefit of struggle and doing the hard things. Yeah. Where do you find that? How do you balance that at, when you're raising your kids? I, I think there's a happy medium, right? You know, it's like, again, like I, I was raised very old school, very traditional. We're talking wooden spoons and leather belts type of old school traditional raising. And, and, and I think that Another problem in today's society is is kids are a product of their environment. And you see my kids and you see your kids on social media. When you're in the gym, they're in the gym because they see that they want to be they want to be like their parents. So if you have a parent that sits at home and sits on their ass all day long and just like goes to work and comes home and cracks open a Budweiser and eats Lay's potato chips, guess what? That kid is lazy. That kid is fat. That kid is obese, and I blame nobody but the parents. I put a million percent blame on parents nowadays for everything that is happening. I think social media is a you know a big thing of that. But like, listen, you're the parent. Who's paying for that phone bill? Is the kid paying for the phone bill? Right. They're not paying for the phone bill. They're not buying the phones. So guess what? If you if 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 you don't want to play sports and get good grades, I'm not paying for shit. You're gonna get a job. You're gonna bag groceries. I'll meet you halfway in the middle for a 1999 Honda Civic when it's 2030. Great. You're lost. I mean, and and it's just like you have to be able to like teach your kids some of those hard lessons from the way that you were raised or the the way that your mindset is, right? You know, that's what this is all about is just, I mean, kids are just a product of their environment. And you think it comes down to being an example? A million percent. I mean, again, it, it stems back to my mentors, my father, my uncle, my uncle and all his buddies, military friends, my cousin who's an FBI agent in Miami. I mean, like, it, like you have to surround yourself. This is another thing. It's like, like I, I read something really good that was like, 
okay, you make $300,000 a year. Surround yourself with guys that are making $3 million a year, and you'll reach their... Perspectives change. Perspective change. Yeah. You know, when when they're like, don't worry, you know, th- this, this tab's on me, this tab's on me, and you're like, man, one day I would love to buy your guys' tab. You know, it's just like... Like surround yourself with people that are better than you, because if you're if you're always the alpha leader in the pack, you're probably never going to get better. Yeah. Because you're just going to be content in life. Like I'm the big dog in the pack, but if you're that, you know, the, you know, always be a leader. Don't ever be a follower, right? I mean, if you're a follower, you're a loser. I mean, be that that lead by example type of mentality and want to reach that. And just surrounding yourself with with people is, I think, like, you know, positive influences, people that are better than you. Like, you are 10 times faster than me right now. You're in 10 times better shape than me right now. Like, you know, run, well, I would love to be that runner. I was going to say, it depends on the measurement, though, because, you know, you get us yeah. under a, a bar with weight on it, and I'm sure it's a whole <laughs> skewed the whole other direction. Yeah. But No. Is that, is that contributing to – because I, I want to hear about the new job, but I also want to hear about – the the sacrifice you mentioned that it's a pay cut for a little while long term yeah. benefit obviously but that there's more time now with the family is that contributing to it like recognizing that you know there is a need to be an example and be a little bit more I, I, I you know I don't know physically present yeah. too as your kids are getting a little bit older is that the main what is the driving factor with this yeah. this change I don't want to raise orphans I mean. I want to be home with my kids. And I've realized this, you know, the last five years I was like, no, I love my job. I'm just traveling the world. And it was like, and it is cool. It is cool. It's great. I mean, I, I'm so thankful. My experience, the people that got me to where I'm at now have set me up to take my dream job at American airlines and be a pilot and fly passengers. Cause I'm very much so a people person. I can talk to anybody. I can talk to the wall next to me if I need to, you know, it's like, so like, just like, uh, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> uh, the reason reason for the ch- shift to American yeah, Airlines. Yeah, shift to American is is being home more with my family. Like, I have a huge family tattoo on my ribs, and I live and die by that. Like, I got that when I was 18 years old in high school, and I came home, and my dad was like, you really went and did that. And I'm like, this, this is who I am. Like, I, am a, I will die for my family. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, I consider you family. I'd go to war for you. Like, we're good buddies. You know, we barely know each other, but I feel like we're brothers. You know, yeah. it's like we just we share the same mindset. And and being able to take this job in American just allows me to be home more. And I've seen my uncle do it. The guy never works. He'll work a premium overtime trip, and he makes you know deep into the six figures. And it's like, how can I work as little as possible and make as much as possible? Well, I can, you know, be my son's coach, go to my daughter's dance recitals, you know, and just be home all the time. And then when I want to take a month off, I'm like, hey, let's go fly to Rome. It's like, ah, oh, cool. You guys want to go to Sydney this summer? We'll go to Sydney. You know, it's like I want to – I didn't travel as a kid because I was engulfed in sports. And this is the downside of it, being raised in a big city, you know, and it, and it kind of scares me to raise my kids in Phoenix. And it's hard to say because that's where I was raised and I had a great upbringing – but, like, I never traveled as a kid because I was in competitive sports. It was club soccer. It was club track and field. It was high school football. And when you go to a Division 5A1 high school, you know, the largest high school in the state, it's like you miss a practice, you miss a game. On. It's yeah. like good luck good luck getting any playing time whatsoever, especially being small and undersized, 130 pounds as a senior in high school. It's <laughs> like 
oh, you're you're five eight and you're 130 pounds. Yeah, sorry, you're not competing with this six foot, you know, 200 pound guy next to you. It's right. Like, but I'm like 10 times faster than him. It's like eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so like just being able to be home more and be a family man is like I can like I want to raise my son. Like I, I like being like. It's like, of course, I love my daughter to death, but it's like having a son, like men need those father figures in their life. And there's tons of studies out there that say like, you know, boys that are raised without fathers in their homes, it's like, I, th- I think it's like 75, 80%, maybe more. They, they turn out to be like drug addicts and gangs, murderers or, you know, serial killers, you know, whatever it is, whatever the list is. It's like extremely, like, it's on the extreme side of like, no, boys need a father figure. Yeah. And I can tell my son, like when I'm gone a lot, I can tell my son is definitely more like, you know, he's only six years old, but I can tell that he's definitely like craving that father figure in his Hmm. life. And then it's like, I come home for two weeks and I'm like, okay, well I'll be gone for two weeks. And it's like, Oh, how many sleeps are you going to be gone? I'm like, I'm going to be gone for 16 sleeps, buddy. And he doesn't even understand, you know, how... He doesn't. And then it's like, oh, you're extended. Oh, daddy, you're picking up an overtime trip. Okay. And it's like, oh, so you're going to buy us new toys. And it's like, I mean, sure, I'd love to buy you toys, but I got to pay down debt first. Right. <laughs> it's like, sure, you might get a couple extra Christmas presents out of, you know, working 26 days in October. But it's like, at the end of the day, I will never get the time back with my kids. I can always make more money. Because mm. I was just going to ask, you know, even at the sacrifice of a pay cut, it outweighs it. Uh, uh, well, it's only a pay cut for like the first year. Like, like I'm getting ready to upgrade to captain, and let's just throw a number out there. Like, I'm gonna upgrade to captain and make two hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm gonna go to American and I'm gonna make a hundred thousand dollars a year my first year. But then the second year, I'm like, I'm making more than I would have made as upgrading to captain. Right. And, but I can upgrade to captain at American. Like, uh, the airlines are in such unprecedented times of Delta, United, and American all getting these new, extremely lucrative, lucrative con, you know, contracts. I mean, you're talking. Four hundred and fifty dollars an hour type of contracts for the for the top pay scales on the on the largest jets. Wow! And it's like because of a labor shortage or why? Yeah, there's just there's so many pilot retirements. You know, all these boomers that are sixty years old and older are retiring. Like, that's the cool thing about American is like, yeah, you know, I interviewed with United, I got turned down, and to me, that's a blessing in disguise. Everything happens for a reason. You know. I was a phenomenal soccer player, and I'll stem this, everything happens for a reason, I'll tie it all in together, right? So, like, my dad was like, I wanted to go play tackle football. And my dad was like, no, you should stick with soccer. Like, you're leading the state in goals, like, you're doing it. Like, you you can be small, like Lionel Messi, and be the best soccer player in the world. You're not the biggest guy, but you're absolutely, like, you have the skill. And I was like, nope, I want to play football. So I wouldn't play football. My dad was like, oh, I don't know. And then I never played soccer again. And I still play soccer as an adult. Like, I have, I'm in leagues in Phoenix, and I would love to get in leagues in Durango. And um, everything happens for a reason. I quit, and then I did that. And then it was like I got into track. And then uh, I got injured my whole senior year. I had I was a field goal kicker and had Nike football camps, everything lined up to kick at any college in the nation. I mean, I, would, I was kicking 55-yard field goals in high school. And I got injured. So then I just just like I just fell back on the crutch of track and field. Like, well, I was a state champion. I'm fast enough. Like, I can go run a D1 college. You know, that's cool. I'm not going to be the fastest guy, but I can say I did it. And so I fell back on that. And then it was like I, you know, I didn't get along with the head coach, and so I quit track and field. And then it was like, okay, you know, my parents had moved the Flagstaff when I went to college at NAU, and then I was like, just I, I applied for ASU, started talking to my high school track coach, and I was like, hey, can I get a spot on the ASU team? You know, head coach calls me. He's like, yeah. 
you're our guy. You're our, you are our 400 hurdler at Arizona State University. And I'm like, Pac-12, Nike sponsored? I'm like, great, count me in. And my dad is like, I'm not paying for that. Get a job. I was like, okay. So I got a job at a supplement company. Yeah. Got a job at One Stop Nutrition in Phoenix. Learned all about every – my owner and boss made me literally go down the entire wall of vitamins and supplements of, of, of hundreds – and read each label and be able to explain to anybody what it was. And he would start quizzing me and be like, hey, what is this? What does this do? Is this good for your joints? No, it's good for your brain function. Where's this source from? What's this? You know, it's like, and then I ended up going to pilot school. And it's like, you know, you know, I ended up knocking my girlfriend, my now wife, up four months into knowing her at 22 years old. I had a kid at 23 years old. It was like, just everything happens for a reason. And not getting that job at United has led me to this job at American where it's like, I'm born and raised in Arizona. American is a Phoenix-based company. They're a Dallas-based company, but one of their largest bases is in Phoenix. And it's like, wait, I can be home? Like, I, I talked to a buddy who's got three kids, too, I worked with at Sky West. And I was like, okay, dude, like, I, I, I'm going to my interview today. Like, I just, I, I got to ask all the hard questions, you know? And he was like, I'm just bidding long call reserve, and I'm home. I'm flying, like, three days a month, and I'm making $10,000 a month. I'm like, Three days a month, ten grand. Count me in. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's yeah, like, I can just be home. Then it's like, oh, you want to go and make thirty thousand dollars that month? Okay, go pick up a couple overtime trips. And it's like, it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable. My dad always jokes with me. He's always like, you pilots make way too much money. Like <laughs> I, you guys don't ever work, and you make way too much money. <laughs> well, but there's clearly a demand for it. I mean, Me. obviously, if and it sounds like, is the retirement rate outpacing the new? the new licenses do you have any idea uh no so this is this is a big thing is um the it kind of stems back to the media they think that there's a big pilot shortage there's really not i think the demand is higher than ever but when you look at what we call atp airline transport pilot certificates given there was like I don't want to just throw out a number because I don't know the number, but there was like an exponentially more ATP certificates given than there is pilot retirements. Hmm. People just don't want to do it anymore because it's too expensive. You know, you have Joe Biden's economy over here and, you know, you can't even afford a five, you know, $5 gallon of milk anymore. Like you're living in Hawaii and it's a hundred thousand dollars to go to pilot school. But I knew that going into it, I was told right up front, you are going to pull $100,000 out and go to pilot school, but in seven to 10 years, you are going to make well into the six figures. And not have to work, you know, for the rest these of crazy hours. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like being able to retire with $15 million because the retirement at the airlines is a, you know, 16 to 18% direct contribution. It's like, well, when you start making a quarter of a million dollars a year, it's like, I, I got to find ways to, to, to spend money. I got to find ways to put that you know, into college funds or whatever it is, you know, it's like, so just the, the whole thing, just going to American is it's, it's setting my kids up for generational wealth. Hmm. I don't have generational wealth. My parents income generational wealth. You know, I, I've, I have all the loans in my name. My parents didn't pay for my college. You know, they, you know, I, my dad bought me a truck, a used truck when I was in high school because I played sports and I got good grades, you know, but it was just like being able to build that for your kids and instill that in them. Like, listen, if you work hard and you have the motivation and drive to like be successful in life, 
you can pass this on to your kids and then our, you know, my grandkids can pass down to their kids type of deal. It's, yeah. just, it's all about building generational wealth. And it's almost like you're trying to build not only generational wealth, but like these generational mindset characteristics. Yeah. Habits. Yeah. Really habits. Yeah. So what, you know, what's the, cause you know, there's kind of this balance too, between being a provider from a financial perspective, yeah. you know, being the leader of, of the household in terms of, you know, raising your kids and, you know, yeah. those, those things that we had mentioned. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on, you know, cause it's something that I struggle with sometimes. It's like, you know, like right now, for example, I've been, been at the office for, 11 hours, you know, but I'm trying to build something and, you know, putting it in. And it's this balance of like the provider role versus the actual, like being there for our kids. We have an obligation to be there for them financially, Yep. but we also have an obligation to be there for them, you know, physically and emotionally and things like that. And it sounds like that's part of this, this contributing factors to the excitement behind the new job because it almost seems like it's going to get you to a position where you can better do both. Is that kind yeah. of how you, you know, how it, how it's feeling? The work-life balance, you know, like, it, like, you know, like you started a Sin digital and you're blowing up and you're like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm finally doing it. Like, this is it. And you are putting in all this extreme effort right now, but I will promise you this hard work in like, let's just say five years you're going to be back just managing. You're just going to be running the podcast and you're this, this office is going to be this entire building. And it's <laughs> I like, hope. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, dude, look, you're from a small town in Durango and you're doing shoots out in North Carolina on the Rocky mountain railroad. Like, like, I, I, I think like I look at you, you know, you look up to me and I look up to you. I'm like, dude, this dude is doing it out here. Like he's running 120 mile months. He's running a marketing company. And it's just like, you know, Again, surrounding yourself with people that are better than you, that you think are better than you, yeah. right? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're like, you know, sure, I can always be better, but you're like, I, I think I'm doing pretty good in life. You know, I think I, I got, you know, I got hot wives, we got good looking kids, you know, we have successful jobs, we have nice houses, nice cars. It's like, great. But it's like, there's always, there's always that one step. That next level. Like, I can buy a nicer truck. I can buy a nicer ranch. I can buy a nicer tractor. It's like, how do I get that? I need to find a way to just like constantly reach that next level. You know, there, there is, there is no level 10 in life. It's level infinite. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, cause you talked about like, we've touched on, you know, social media and influencers and surrounding ourselves with, with people that yeah. lift us up and motivate us and things like that. What I'm finding is, is that that gets harder and harder. So I'd love to hear from you you know, at this stage in your life, how are you making sure that you're surrounded by the right people? You know, how, how are you creating that, that community and, you know, the, the people that are having positive impacts on your life and things like that? What does that look like at this stage? I mean, at, at 30 years old, I'm very blessed to just like some of my best friends in life are kids that I've known since elementary school. And, I don't know if I just got lucky and chose the right friends and was in the right group, but like some of my friends are very successful in finance. One of my buddies has a podcast too, owns his own lending company in Phoenix. It's like just, you know, a a lot of airline buddies, you know, you and I end up, you know, we barely know each other through T-ball, but all of a sudden we're best friends on social media, you know, it's like, you know, just finding that click. It's like, it's almost like, 
you know, the second, you know, like when people connect, you just know. It's like, it's almost like, you know, just brainwaves meet and they connect. And it's like, this is my guy. This is my person. This is who I want to surround myself with. And if not everybody's good at, you know, deciphering who they want to surround themselves with, but it's just like, if you can just get lucky somehow or just be able to find that algorithm of who I need to surround myself with, your chances of success are a lot better than, than not. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I think that... I think that we, it's hard to measure it. Like it's, yeah. it's very, you know, anecdotal and speculative, but I do believe there's something about like attracting what you want to attract, you know, yeah. like you put it out there, it comes back type of thing. Like I've never been able to really fully, yeah. you know, measure that or, or define it, but there's something definitely that happens where yeah. like-minded people become attracted to each other. You know, you end up kind of like, yep similar spheres of influence or similar, you know, interests or whatever it is. And, yeah. and it, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of happens. Yeah. I'm curious with the, you know, with the shift in the, the job, which sounds like is, you know, soon, somewhat soon, you yeah. know, on the February horizon. February 28th. That's, yeah, it's a, that's amazing. the start date. Um, it'll now, uh, you know, provide a little bit of more work-life balance and things like that. Yeah. What's on the docket from the, the fitness side of things? Because I know too, didn't you just get sponsored by a supplement company and not sponsored by, but I became what they call a legionnaire. I became almost like a, not necessarily like an ambassador, a coach, type. But like a, a type of ambassador for first form and being in the supplement industry for 12 years now, you know, I've never just wanted to like get a sponsor and be like, Oh, this is who I'm sponsored by here. Take this product. I like truly stand behind their products. Like Andy Frazella, the guy who started 75 hard, it's his company, actually him and his brothers. And like, I love that their company motto. They're not going to care that I post political stuff. They don't care how many followers I have. They don't care who I surround myself with. It's like, do you just want to make change people's lives day by day? And like their products, like their multivitamin for you know, they call it microfactor. It's all soft gels. I, I, I watched the video on their website, you know, part of the training of, be, of joining the team. Like, you gotta, you have to educate yourself on all their supplements. Right. It, because, you know, I can't just be telling you, like, hey, you need to take this because it's good for you. You know, it's like, no, you need to have an understanding of, like, taking soft gel multivitamins is easier for your body to digest. Your body's going to take those those minerals and those vitamins much easier. You know, you're not going to have the gas. You're not going to have the stomach bloating. It's like their greens powder is all organic, gluten-free. There's enzymes in there that help you absorb the nutrients that you need. And especially as ultra runners, like my brother is sick all the time right now. And I told him, I'm like, dude, I think you need to switch your products because you say you're taking this immunity shot or this mineral boost. And I'm like, and you're taking a greens powder, but I'm like, Where's that coming from? Yeah. Like, what do you really know? Like, and, and, and it sounds very sales pitchy, but it's like, I, I just, I speak from passion. Like, I, I've been in the supplement industry for a long time. I understand the quality products of where it comes. Like, their fish oil is not farm-raised. Probably 95% of your fish oil you'll ever buy is farm fish. There's no interest in buying that. You get farm fish from the store, you're putting diseases and and those fish just eat shit at the bottom of the ocean. That's what they feed them. Literally. I'm not kidding. And it's like having just um, wild-caught fish oil, I, I've noticed a big difference, man. Huh. It's, it's unbelievable. Like as an ultra runner, I don't know what supplements you take, 
But if I could, if I could send you my link and say, hey, just try these supplements for a month, two yeah. months. You know, it, it's a little bit pricey, but just, just tell me if you truly feel a difference. And I would love to just like get your take and I come will. back in two months and be like, hey, did you feel a difference? No. Okay. Well then, I, I, you know, maybe it's not for everybody. You know, like, <laughs> uh, maybe it's not as I, good. <laughs> I will do it, and I will tell you the truth. Too, I, I know, know you will. <laughs> but because you know, there's clearly this like this passion. You know, the 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 intensity and and the the love. You know, yeah. for the supplement world and the physical fitness clearly hasn't you know hasn't gone anywhere. Nope. Um. So I'm just curious. You know what what's What's next? You know, how, how what, what are you, I mean, are, are you thinking you'll pursue some of the What's next the is a 75 year old guy in the gym in Flagstaff that was squatting 315 pounds. Yeah. That's what's next. So and it's a, it's, you're looking at it as a long-term lifestyle endeavor, li- life, more so never. than like a, uh, you know, a other pursuit of, yeah. of you no, know, I will never stop working on whether it gets me a million followers or zero followers. Like, at the end of the day, I stand behind who I am, and fitness is my passion. I'm going to just lead by example and get better one percent every day. Yeah, and you know, again, like it's so like the, the whole first four thing kind of first form came to fruition because they have they're trying to they're trying to start their outdoor team and create an outdoor supplement of like, you know, elk jerky sticks and outdoor supplements and electrolytes for hunting and hiking in the woods and mountain biking or whatever it is. And they like, they, I saw this ad on Instagram that was like, oh, apply to the first form or the, the, the pro staff outdoors team. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw this in. And I got a call. Like I got a text from this girl named Caitlin and it was like, hey, um, you know, love to interview you. And I was like, oh, great. And she was like, I think you're absolutely perfect for this. Like we don't care about followers. I love your attitude. And I'm like, again, I'm one in a million to get that. You know, there's probably a couple million people that I'm guessing have applied to this and they're only taking two candidates. But it's like, if I get this, I think I could really take the fitness goal to the next level. Yeah. It's like, right now, I don't really have any driving force. I just do it for myself. I do it for my kids. I do it for my wife. Like, you know, my wife stays in great shape. If I get out of shape, my wife's probably not going to love me anymore. It's like, why, you know, if I stay in phenomenal shape, my wife's probably not going to get out of shape because, well, you know, who, you know, <laughs> you get where I'm going with that. You know, your so wife's like, going to. In fact, it's cool because it, you can see how, you know, talking about how like minds yeah. and you know all that. But uh, your wife's going to pace me in my in my ultra, which is just I, I can't wait for and to see, you know, the uh, just the 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 like mindedness and yeah. you know, how it's it it translates into the whole household. I know. Is it's just so it's cool. I know. I I absolutely love it, man. It's you know, it's funny. I was like I told my wife I we'd be down at 7 and I'm like we're still talking. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like sorry, honey, I'll be down in a sec." It's like <laughs> you know, like there's no there's no end in sight. You know, we could talk for 3 hours, yeah. 4 hours. You know, we could have one of those like ultra marathon podcasts on Joe Rogan just <laughs> talking about life and fitness goals and career aspirations and family and you know, the whole 9 yards. You know, you want to dive into politics next time? Let me tell you, I'm in there like somewhere, <laughs> baby. You want to talk about politics? I'm there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's been it's been awesome, Eric, and I want to uh, I want to thank you a ton for 
taking the time, you know, to be with me today because uh, your time is super valuable. And I also know that today is a big day for you. Yeah, of course. We've been, you know, we've been trying to schedule the podcast for, for months. And so I appreciate the fact that you kept it a priority. I've had to reschedule like three <laughs> times. I'm like, I told you, I'm sorry. I picked up an overtime trip. Because grinding. Like, like, oh, $10,000 or a podcast. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I, I got to pick this up. Yeah. No, but I, uh, I, I want to thank you. And I, and I, I appreciate you, you know, humoring me and letting me get some of your perspective today because I think it's super, super valuable. Yeah. I think that there's a whole lot to learn from even the takeaways from this conversation already with delayed gratification and discipline and yeah. balance and, you know, all these, these great these great themes that we've touched on. Absolutely. And so um, I'm sure you know the tradition. But I've got an Inspire by Example shirt for you. Oh, not the Chasing Greatness. Because you are inspiring by example. And the stuff that you're doing is making an impact. And you're you're inspiring people. You're bringing people along and, and, you know, making huge positive positive impacts. Absolutely. And so I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for for taking the time. Thank you for this. I'm going to wear this in pride. I'm going to lead by example or inspire by example and just... Yeah, I'll keep hammering, baby. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Eric. Of course, it's been it's been fantastic. Fantastic. Sweet. I might need a large in this shirt, just medium.